0: especially with remote work on the rise, you know, you have all these changes to the way we've done training and communication that it makes sense that everybody knows where to go for any security issue.
1: From Tyler Technologies, it's the Tyler Tech Podcast, where we talk about issues facing communities today and how I like the people, places, and technology making a difference. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the director of content marketing for Tyler Technologies, and I'm so glad that you joined me. Cybersecurity, certainly a big topic. And did you know there is something called ethical hacking? What is an ethical hacker? What is ethical hacking and what is the purpose? That is the focus of today's episode. And we're going to speak with Erica Burgess. Erica is a true subject matter expert. She is the technical lead on Tyler's cybersecurity assurance team. She has been a software engineer and cybersecurity hobbyist for many, many years and doing things like bug bountying since high school. She is a true expert. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Erica Burgess. Well, Erica Burgess, welcome to the Tyler Tech Podcast.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Very excited to talk to you. And we're going to dive into what an ethical hacker is here in a second. But I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listening audience. Tell us a little bit about you and your background.
0: Yes, thanks for having me. So, I'm Erica. I've been hacking and writing about hacking since high school Uh, where I did some freelance consulting. Uh, I previously worked as a software engineer for about seven years. And outside of work, I do bug bounties and uh, blog about hacking and really CVEs and and new exploits. And I also like to do public speaking about hacking topics at uh, DEF CON or our local group, DEF CON 207, which is the local chapter of DEF CON, which is the biggest hacking conference in the world. And I've currently been working as a technical lead on the cybersecurity assurance team where I help train pen testers and uh, do pen testing myself and methodology and other processes.
1: So, this is your world. And first of all, I didn't realize they had hacking back when you're, you know, I'm a little bit more senior person, but I didn't know they had hacking back when you're in high school.
0: Oh, yeah. So um, dating myself a bit. But in 2004, I believe Facebook was one of the first proponents of doing bug bounties. And so a bug bounty is something where you can actually uh, make money by reporting a security issue on a production site somewhere. And uh, in addition to that, I did some consulting for friends and family. One of those things that when I was young, it really wasn't a field. I, I just assumed I'd be coming becoming a programmer. And so I'm happy it's the field now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how, how different things change over time. Content marketing was not a thing either for me, and now that's what I do. So it's super exciting. Well, I want to dive into ethical hacking because it sounds to me like an oxymoron, right? Like it's jumbo shrimp. Like what is an ethical hacker? Tell us a little bit about what that is.
0: Yeah, so an ethical hacker is someone who is hacking with permission, basically. Uh, And normally it's for testing the security of a system. You know, it's anytime you have formal established rules of engagement. So you've got a legal contract or you've got a scope in the case of bug bounties. uh, Anytime that you're allowed to be testing against a system. And it's really important to stay in scope when you're an ethical hacker. And I think that's the main difference, because as an unethical hacker... You're allowed to do anything, but obviously an ethical hacker is doing all the same techniques, but they've been given permission.
1: Got it. Makes sense. You're you're trying to do things for good. Well, Erica, then tell us a little bit. This is what I'm thinking when I think of unethical hackers is more like bad actors. Talk to us a little bit about what an unethical hacker might look like.
0: Yeah, so an unethical hacker is usually breaking the law to hack. You know, uh, it could be motivated by curiosity or personal gain. And so one of my favorite phrases about this I hear over and over is, you know, one big difference between us and the bad actors is that we write reports.
1: (laughs) They're not writing a lot of reports, I guess.
0: No. (laughs) Yeah, no. They've got their own goals.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well talk to us a little bit about what an ethical hacker is doing. You're writing reports, that's one thing we've established that. What what are you trying to do on behalf of your organization or whoever it is that you're representing?
0: An ethical hacker would do everything a real life attacker would do, except that they're uh, looking at the items that are in scope as defined by the client. So, you know, as a hacker, I ask myself a lot of what if questions and I imagine scenarios where a real attacker might benefit. So if a company website can be defaced, what would that look like? Can I change the front page? You know, does this have a big impact? Or if this is software for school grade tracking, are they able to change the grade without permission? Or if it's an online store, can I get an item for free? And I've done those things as part of, you know, bug bounties and pen test engagements. And of course, usually in This particular job, I'm using test environments with dummy accounts so that it doesn't actually affect any real users. And the most important thing is to just follow scope and the rules of engagement. So um, we stay in constant contact with the client and make sure that everything we're doing makes sense to be doing and that it makes sense for their particular business that they're trying to protect.
1: That's great. And we have a lot of listeners who are in the public sector, government leaders, tell us a little bit about what common mistakes you tend to see agencies making because i I would i would imagine they would love to know what what mistakes Mm -hmm. that you you see on a day-to-day basis
0: absolutely so i see a lot of old systems that are not updated on a regular basis you know the old versions of anything any system uh, library content management system whatever you've got is going to be more vulnerable if it's been around for a while because there's been time for those exploits to become public and well-known. And that makes it very easy for an attacker just to go to Google and say, whatever, uh, something soft version 1.7 exploits. you know, They just Google that and they can find out what they need to do uh, to get into the system. And so to f- sort of follow that up, I always tell people, you know, have an inventory list of what kind of software products you use. So if you see something pop up in the news, that something soft version 1.7, you know, okay, I, this this matters to me. I should be looking out. So yeah, updating and knowing what you have in order to update.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. Because I think a lot of times we, we're we always having everything SaaS these days, all these tools that we use on a day-to-day basis. And we see update require like, oh man, that's a beating. We're going to have to wait for it to update, we got a reboot perhaps. I guess one thing I haven't really thought of is actually this new version, you think of it, oh, it's got some maybe new features or, or new ways of using it, and that might even be a problem. But you don't think, hey, there may be some, some fixes here that's going to help me be more safe from hackers. So that, that, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think people think that way. Exactly. Well, talk to us a little bit about what agencies can then do to make it more difficult for hackers.
0: Yeah, I have to say um, communication is my favorite answer for this. And it sounds low tech, but it's so important. It covers three really big issues, which is documenting what you have for inventory, training your employees, with, especially with social engineering uh, issues, and, of course, documentation. So especially with remote work on the rise, you know, you have all these changes to the way we've done, training and communication that it makes sense that everybody knows where to go for any security issue, right? Like, okay, who's the admin of this? If I see a new account that I don't recognize, what, who do I talk to? You know, And making sure you have some kind of way to communicate to everyone that there's a, a venue for talking about that stuff. It's very important.
1: I'll be back with my conversation with Erica Burgess in just a moment. Well, if you're a Tyler Tech client and listening to this in early 2023, you need to know that Tyler Connect is coming up May 7th through 10th in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Great place to dive deeper into the products that you use and to network with peers. For more information, go to tylertech.com forward slash connect. Now back to my conversation with Erica Burgess. I know I've heard in the past, simple things like keep keeping your passwords updated and not using obvious passwords, not falling for phishing and things like that. Are are there some also just some basic things people can do just to make it a little bit harder as well?
0: Yes, absolutely. When you bring up passwords, you don't want to reuse passwords. That's a huge one. I still see that all over the place. And of course, keeping your systems updated. But yeah, that 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 training and making sure you've got good practices where you've got things up to date. Those are really big. They're simple to say. They're much harder in practice, to especially if your organization is big.
1: And is it a best practice to keep your passwords written on a post-it note by your, by your computer? Is that a best practice? <laughs>
0: no, it is not. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I thought you might say that. Well, tell us any stories that you might have where perhaps ethical hacking was able to help an agency or an organization
0: yeah i definitely have a few examples of that anytime i find command injection which is uh, in this case an easy way to take over a server where you're able to install ransomware or you know crypto mining whatever it is uh, those are those are serious issues and when you help that organization to patch that issue in a third party you can choose to publish and actually help a lot more organizations so because it's a third party with the permission of the client and the vendor and and doing responsible disclosure you can actually impact many companies and businesses to, to, to let them know that there's an issue so i think that's probably been the most impactful thing is keeping that education up in the infosec community and helping others just by helping that one client and you know sometimes The techniques are a little more of a scalpel and less of a sledgehammer like that command injection one. You know, you don't have to completely compromise the server on the the operating side of the server in order to make an impact. For example, there was the site that um, had an anonymous promise to its clients. It was that you're anonymous, whatever you do. And I found that their traffic log was publicly available and I could cross-reference it with this other thing. And long story short, basically, it was not anonymous. So I reported it. And so that's like a business specific scenario where anonymity was very important to them. And I wanted to make sure that they ha- actually had that and following through and watching them do a bypass or a fix. And then I would bypass that fix and make sure I could still exploit it and sort of have that back and forth with them until they really got it right. And another one is shopping cart because online sh- shopping is huge. So I love to tell us as an example. So I was able to manipulate another user's shopping cart, and it's it's kind of a big deal, you know. Like, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to make sure that, like, your hack makes sense for the situation you're in. Like, it's a store. Okay, let's make sure that certain things are anonymous, that credit card is safe, that you can't interact with someone else's cart. At the end of the day, that matters a lot to them, and so that's why it was reported.
1: Eric, I'm curious because with – and we were headed more towards online shopping, Apple Pay, paying with your phone, everything being more online, more accessible online. In fact, I went to this store the other day and it said no cash. (laughs) They didn't even (laughs) accept cash. Has that made it harder for government and for businesses to be protected because of the the, just the number now – Points of access into e commerce and systems, has that made it more difficult for government and businesses?
0: That's a really good question. So, there are special rules for PCI environments, any kind of payment system, uh, you know, they're held to a higher standard. But you're right, at the end of the day, it is yet another attack surface. And so, it is another way to get in, unfortunately. So, Test everything, of course. <laughs> I'm a pen tester, so I'm biased. I will tell you to definitely test everything you can and have an expert look at everything, yeah.
1: Sounds like there's a few themes I'm going to take away from from our conversation. One, make sure you update your software. Yeah. have la- the latest versions. Communication and documentation is key. Test everything. Don't keep your passwords on a Post-it note by your computer. <laughs> Anything else you want to share before we wrap this up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing is culture, you know, being able to talk to your employees and say, hey, I have a concern. I think we've used this password somewhere else before, you know, keeping that openness to say, if you see something, say something is that very much under the same umbrella as communication. But it does matter a lot to be able to even have those conversations is a privilege, you know. It wasn't too long ago we we're talking about cybersecurity it was very uncomfortable to the point of no one would talk about it. You know, 20 years ago, everyone was worried about it, and and that didn't fix anything. That did, talking yeah. about it fixes it in action. Yeah,
1: yeah, making it uh, taboo is not the right word, but we're not making it a, a a subject that we don't address. But the more you address it, probably the more diligent you're going to be to to stay safe and protected, and Things like this. That's great. That's great advice. Well, if someone wanted to learn more and wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Oh, email. My inbox is always open. So uh, feel free to drop me a line at erica.burgess at tylertech.com. I'm also happy to have a call or any questions at all. It's definitely a hot topic whenever you say the word hacker, people have a lot of questions. And so I'm always happy to answer.
1: It's a very interesting topic, and we've just barely scratched the surface, but we really appreciate the the insight and the fact that this is your world. You've been doing this since high school, so this is amazing. <laughs> so thanks so much, Erica, for joining the, the Tyler Tech Podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining the Tyler Tech Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erica Burgess. I know I learned a lot, and we have lots more episodes planned just like this on a variety of topics concerning the public sector. So please subscribe. Until next time, this is Jeff Harrell with Tyler Technologies. We'll talk to you soon.